Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. My head in the clouds, hands and feet on the ground. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. All right. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. Uh, this is a very exciting episode because we have a guest, ESPN writer Tim Bontemps, who's in Toronto uh, covering the Raptors for the week. Max became buddies with him through Nick Nurse, and he has graciously decided to, to have a conversation with us. So we were at his hotel. We did the interview earlier today. We hope you enjoy it. But I'm here. I'm with Max in person, and we have Shane on a Zoom from the cottage where he is at with his in-laws for the holidays. Uh, Shane, how you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> you don't seem good. You seem annoyed with us. Of course I am. I've been waiting in this fucking room for a half an hour waiting for you guys to come on the Zoom. Like I'm at a cottage. What else with, you, gonna, you, could, I'm, you could be going off and waiting for a text message just to go into the room when we're ready for you. We, we're out here interviewing ESPN basketball reporters. We're, we're covering the story while you're up having a vacation. Okay. We're working hard and you're at a cottage. Okay. No, you got to let me know before that. There's a lot that goes into this. I've got like 10 minutes to record this pod before I go. Um, people are making dinners do? and... There's kids around. I got to be looking after children. So it took me 10 minutes to come up here, set up all this pot equipment. Then I can't sheepishly go back downstairs, look after the kids for a time. Like I've, <laughs> a I've allocated this time to mm. record the pod. So I have till about Who five o'clock. Okay. Who are you more annoyed with us or the fact that you made a decision to have a family? Um, Honestly, yeah, I feel like <laughs> most people have kids like I, I do feel like it's it's you're in the minority if you don't have kids if you're in your late 30s mm. so you oh okay. Fair <laughs> it's gonna be us well i guess merry christmas haven't seen you since christmas yeah hope you're good i mean i feel like you're coming in hot i'm not coming in that hot no no you're good like i mean i can't imagine <laughs> anyone like if this 
you get a 10 minute leeway to be late. Beyond that, each minute that goes by, you're allowed to get more annoyed and more annoyed and more annoyed until you're pretty pissed. If half an hour went by, guys. You're also a famously punctual person. So I think it bothers you more than most because you are always on time. That's your thing. Yeah, but with you guys, I do fuck around with the Zoom sometimes. I'll wait. I'll leave it to the last minute. I'll fuck around. I've left you guys hanging for 10 minutes and felt bad. But I think you can't get mad until it starts getting into that 25-minute area. <laughs> See, where we uh, have friction is that I have a no sympathy for people at the cottage rule in my life. That's that's where we are butting mm. heads at. I know. And also, like, I don't like people that are unavailable leading up to the holidays, but I mm. don't like being available in the heart of the holidays from the 25th to New Year's Eve. If there's anything I have to do, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to see people at all. I resent the podcast for booking something in the middle of this. Like, it's just, it's uncomfortable for me. I just like hiding away during this period of time. You know okay, what I well, mean? We're going to do a, a mood change totally. right now. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a good time while we still have you. Okay. So I disagree. We, we've, we've set our pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and I also said, clearly, I made a rule. I said, there, you can't outnumber someone on Zoom. You can't do the two guys live yeah. and the one guy on Zoom. It's very unfair I do that all to the, the conversation. Time, I, I am in that situation all the time, though. I am the one left out. You guys do no, this pot it's together. No, it's at different. Work. It, the rule doesn't apply to famous people or, you know, female <laughs> supermodels because you're always the point of attention anyway. So you transcend mm. the rule. For lowly old Shane oh, here, who's always getting the shaft with the littlest amount of mic time, I need full attention. And I need to be able to hop in at the same rate you guys can hop in on the conversation. So now okay, I've got well, the two chattiest guys in the same room together. Okay, well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually glad and thankful that I'm angry because I get a little bit more uh, time to give a little speech. <laughs> <laughs> you've done all the time so far, which is great. That's what I'm it's thankful for this well, year. I was going to say, I think you're, I think you're, also, <laughs> I think you're also maybe a little angry too, because the, the, you know, the big Hamilton J.R. Diggs Christmas show happened, but it was postponed due to that epic storm. So you didn't get to come to that last night with us either. I loved missing it. Loved it. Really? You know, and, and the, I do not like seeing people after Christmas, before Christmas. I was so bummed <laughs> that it was canceled. I reveled in missing yeah. it a little bit. I was like, you know, like very narcissistically thinking the party won't be as good without me. People will be missing me. My my absence will be greatly like noted. But uh, mm. yeah, I, was, I have no desire to go to a party from the 25th to the 1st. Uh, okay, well, tell us about your uh, your Christmas. Anything of note that you'd like to share? <clears throat> any uh, any family meltdowns? Any joyful moments? No, I had a, a, the good joyful moment was getting Alex a gift that you've probably seen Max and rolled your eyes at. Maybe Mike's seen it and rolled his eyes too, where Alex is crying when I gave her her Christmas gift. Yeah. Okay, let's deal with that. So she's a pair of shoes what, or something? What, what prompted the tears? I was curious about that. It's because I think Alex has figured out why people give gifts. Cause we had this, it wasn't a debate. I was mostly agreeing with uh, Mike. Cause he was like, what are we doing here? We're both, we're grown adults. We're exchanging gifts when we could all just, buy the fucking gifts for ourselves. Like what's this whole charade of exchanging gifts? But with Alex, she doesn't like buying something that's really stupid or frivolous for herself. She feels an immense amount of guilt 
So I bought these stupid Barbie fluffy high heels for her that she wanted. And she had done a post maybe three months ago that she was interested in these heels, but she could never buy them because they were too expensive and stupid to actually wear. And they're six inch heels. They're <laughs> She's good at walking in heels, but even these pushed the limits of her talents. And then when she saw that, I, <laughs> I remembered that she wanted this and paid the price and gave her permission to have a gift like this. It brought her to tears. I didn't know that would happen. And it also got over a million views on Instagram Reels. It's at 1.4 million. So it, wow. it, many levels, I was, I was happy about that. Mostly the views. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> I was going to say, how much do they cost? You avoid my question. They weren't even that expensive. For Alex, you know, she has these like. Um, Just say the goddamn amount. $140. Oh, okay. That's not so bad. It's very reasonable. But the way she cried, yeah. you'd think they were like Louis Vuitton or something. Alex is incredibly cheap mm. and easy what to impress. What is the most expensive pair of shoes you own, Max? Ooh, what's the most pair? Of, I mean, they're, they're probably gifted to me, so I don't know. Right. You get a lot of, yeah. you get a lot of comp stuff. Like, uh, you know, I didn't know. I think I bought a pair of like, you know, 200 pair, $200 loafers or something like that. Probably. Loafers. Yeah. Like, oh, like for like a wedding yeah, or something? Yeah, for shows like, and stuff. Yeah. I got yeah, some yeah. Doc Martin sent to me for free the other day. I noticed you gifted oh, nice. your dad with courtside seats. I did. That's right. Had he uh, ever yeah, sat courtside before? I don't think he ever has. So it was very fun, you know, because my dad, um, we shared season tickets up in the 300s when I was like probably 11 or 12 with like three other families. Mm -hmm. So it was very cool to like take him down there. And before it's the amazing. game, um, we Nick came out, Nick Nurse came out and said hi. Tim Bontemps, who's on this episode of the podcast, yeah. we'll be talking about a little bit later. He, he came over and hung out with us. So yeah, it was cool. And just like, you know, just being, did your dad read Tim? Did he know? Oh, who yeah, he was? That's yeah. awesome. So, man. uh, yeah, I mean, watching a game that close, there's kind of nothing like it. You've sat courtside though. You know what it's like. It's incredible. That was my, you've made it moment for me. Like it was a dream. I never thought I'd be able to do it. So for your dad, like you've had several moments that have been very impressive, but for him, do you think that was like, my son's gotten me courtside seats. He's really made it. Or is he just yeah. like, yeah, this is, is normal good? for my Is that how Mike Kerman talks? <laughs> yeah, talks I'm only guessing. Says. I've never heard his voice. <laughs> no, he, he's really, he's, he's amused by it all in the way that I'm amused by it all, mm -hmm. where we're just like kind of looking at each other. Like, Can we believe what we got in here? You know, it's like, it's, it's very kind of mischievous sort of, it's like, like you shouldn't even be Yeah, there. we ended like up uh, talking to uh, a fella backstage who is um, Brian Mulrooney's son, former prime minister. Oh, yeah, Ben. He used to be <laughs> no, not Ben. Talk. Ben's brother. <laughs> the other one. I'm no, just no, kidding. The no, other one. The one that's not the politician. No, Isn't there one Mark, like Mulrooney. Mulrooney? Mark Mulrooney. And he, he runs Scotiabank. Mm. So he's a very wow. accomplished guy. And... Um, a really nice conversation with him. And he like went to Duke in around the same time as Shane Battier. And he like lived in the same like residence as Shane Battier. Oh, and yeah. he's also like friends with Adam Levine, but he runs Scotiabank now. Like you love hobnobbing with he, the upper crust. Well, they this. got great stories, man. Yeah. Well, I was asking lots of questions. Whenever you, whenever you hobnob with the upper crust of society, they're always one degree of separation from somebody impressive or interesting, or they have yeah. some story. They're like, yeah, you know, well, his dad was a prime minister. Can you imagine the amount of stories that he has? He's got so yeah. many cool stories. He's like, you know, he's one, degree away from Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, right? Like, think about that for a second. It's good. Yeah. It's good to, like, okay, Shane. Me Meghan was very, like, Meghan was just an actor, like, on Suits yeah. in Toronto. Like, Shane could have, like, matched with her But here's why it's important to know someone She like was Martin probably Ryan. If you're ever Max could have matched with her. That's true. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, the, um, I think um, if... If you need like, let's say like a favor, if you want to like really impress Alex next year for Christmas and you're like, you know mm. what she'd really cry over? Uh, a shout out from, from Meghan Markle. 
She'd be like, hey, Alex, heard it's Christmas. She heard does you not want like that. Meghan Markle. <laughs> but my point she, is, yeah, I'm one, one degree away from that now. If, if we're in a, in a situation like that, or like, let's say Mike needs a Shane Battier uh, mm, birthday uh, shout, shout out. out. I could wait. So I could do that. Did you put Mark Mulroney's number? In your I have, we've been texting. This is hilarious. <laughs> wow. No, you always pull this move. Do you just get everybody's number? You like, know what? A wise man once said, uh, text over emails, lunch over dinner. No, dinner over lunch. Other, dinner over yeah, lunch. Yeah, so it's yeah. nice to have people's phone numbers. You know, you never know. That's, by the way, Shane, that's the second time that he's quoted that. He did it in the Tim Bontemps interview, by the way. No, he's good. It, said that's you're on a one roll. Yeah. But who, who's... Tim seemed largely unmoved by the quote. <laughs> Did you fuck it up the same with Tim? It didn't seem like some profound piece largely of wisdom to Tim. Yeah. Um, but no, but you know what? It is a good question. The art of um, asking somebody for their phone number is I know, a funny I one. And the more I, I just do it now. I know, it's and, impressive. And, I, but, and you just kind of got to just do it. Because people, and I think most people, because they think I'm a big wig, they're like, yeah, one yeah. big wig to another, of course. But I think also other people are just maybe taken aback or they just don't think of it and they're not really like being critical of it. So I think you should totally. always just go for it is my advice to all listeners, except for if you're a stranger talking to me, in which case I'll give you manager Ash's email address. <laughs> right. They need <laughs> to have some level of fame. <laughs> yeah. Like if you had tried to get Margot Robbie's number, <laughs> she probably would have deferred you to her manager. It depends on how the conversation was going. That's true. I like your confidence. So yeah, lots yeah, been going been on. Uh, yeah, other Christmas, you know, so I went to the basketball game. We had the Jared Diggs event last night. That was great. Which was very fun. Yeah. Um, I actually partied with your mom. Yeah, she Jenny. was there. Oh, I yeah. didn't get back to Tiff. I meant to text her. Yeah, I popped up. They were in the, they were like, yeah, they were up in the, like the balcony section and your sister Tiff had DM'd and she was just like, hey, if you're here, my mom would love to see you. So I went up, her, Brad, Tiff were there. Your mom was dancing. Actually, I was up there while you were performing with, with Trish. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was good. It was a good hang. It was good to say hi, Merry Christmas and all that stuff. You were missed, obviously, Shane. I thought you only had tickets to the after party, Mike. Well, that was my plan. But then our boy Max here was like, if you want to come, just come. I'll throw you on list. So I, I ended up going, going and then You're I walked not allowed in and to get comp seats to a charity show, though, are you? I was. I, I canceled this. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did pay for my first few beers because I did feel guilty and I did buy the after party ticket. So, you know. Uh, uh, Jr. was incredibly hospitable, by the way. Like honestly, like tr it, like rolled out the red carpet. It was uh, it was great. So shout out to Jr. Uh, did you ask for a refund because you couldn't make the concert, even though it's a charity concert? Yes, I did, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> <laughs> if the show was just canceled, which it was in 2021, mm -hmm. I did not ask for a refund whatsoever. I I wouldn't take a refund if you paid me, but 2022. <laughs> Isn't that what a refund is? Yeah, it's a joke, Mike. Come on. We got to keep up here. God, <laughs> Shane has no patience. Really? Okay, so 2022, I'm like, of course, I'm not going to ask for a refund. That'd be ridiculous. JR is a close friend of mine. But all these pleas started coming up and it was, oh, if you want a refund, please do, because it opens up tickets for people who actually want to make the show. And all I could think uh. is, uh, if people aren't refunding it, it's going to look pretty sparse once JR does all of his, like, you know, social media bombing and whatnot. And <laughs> I, I just felt bad. And I had bought uh, quite a few tickets. So we had a meeting about it and ultimately decide, decided to refund them all. Yeah. Uh, how, 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 where was the meeting? Where did that take place? It was via text in a group chat. We have a, uh, a text chat group called the Lampo hams. So it's the Lamparski mm. and Cunninghams where we get together and make big decisions like that. And is we'll, Jake in the, in the chat? Brother-in-law Jake? Yeah, but Jake, you know, he's, 
he keeps his uh, change purse pretty tight. So the tickets were are, are always purchased <laughs> for him. Uh, he never has to make any purchases. And I would say he's What's, not favorited in the family, but he's pretty up. He's high up there. Mm. What did he get for Jake? Brother-in-law is a funny one, you know? Oh, yeah. This year, you know, went all out. Got him a Patagonia sweatshirt. Wow. Here, that ain't cheap. A nice one, too. So I'm I'm looking. And of course, anytime you're going Christmas shopping and you're a late person to the game and in, in getting the gifts, the racks are always pillaged through. So I luckily found this amazing Patagonia. It was XL. I'm like, he's he's very muscular. So he's either large or an XL. XL seemed a little bit on the large side. So I try it on. And it's tight. And, you know, I have very long arms, so it's like Frankensteining on me. Like, this is an extra large. I look. It was a women's sweatshirt. I still Uh, bought it, though. Still bought it. Nice. Yeah. Did it fit him? Not really. He returned it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you feel like, because, I mean, all your in-laws, you know, you got a TV show. Mm -hmm. In their mind, you're going to be a big, like, TV star. Did you feel pressure to actually up the gift, uh, like, sort of what you're spending on gifts? No. What it is is all the babysitting they do. The, there's a, a value mm. there that you have to take into account. Yeah. Mm. And that's that worth sense. so much. Cause we, we paid a babysitter one night and even with like the bare minimum wage, it was like 80 to a hundred bucks for a night out. Oh yeah. I heard someone tell me their babysitter costs $30 an hour. It's yeah, man. People are making bank these days. That's crazy. Yeah, 100%. Inflation or something. I don't know. I was just going to ask, did JR note that I refunded something? Like I could picture him drunkenly complaining about that. Not to me. No, he was in just like, just such a, like a, a, a gracious, happy, he was so happy back on stage that there was never, there was no like, no comment like that from him. He was just happy all night long. And how did Max do on stage, Mike? How did I do? Great. Yeah. Well, I, actually, you know what? I actually do have some thoughts on what yeah, you did on stage. Yeah, give me. Uh, it was it was noted that uh, you were the only like group that got a sing along, like where everyone mm. in the place knew like every word. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure they knew in mm. too deep, but that day I was like a full band thing. Yeah, and you were just up there with acoustic. Flintstones. But what I thought was funny. What the, no, I'm, joking. I'm sure it was <laughs> yeah, an Arkell yeah, song. Covered yeah. the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you guys weren't the last group of the night. What the way it worked was it was like Trues kind of go up and do a full band thing, and they they're they're supposed to bring everyone on stage for like a group sing-along or whatever but max sort of stole the move and kind of beat them to it where all of a sudden matt they do their songs him and mike d and then they get everybody up to do what old dixie down or whatever which was this like real high moment like this real like high point of the concert and that you know that could easily be the finale finale yeah and he's like thanks and he walks off and then now a band's got to follow that that's tough. But so, I knew that there was, okay, so the encore had a bunch of guest appearances, a lot of covers. You know, they did a Teenage Head song. There's a Neil Young song, yeah. so the Fleetwood Mac. So it wasn't like it was a shortage of like hits, mm-hmm. but um, we you did- You made it hard to follow. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, actually, I will say this. Originally, so we had three songs. Originally, it was going to be All Roads, Quitting You, and this cover of the band, The Night Over Lixie Down. But then- the Trues were on before and they did a couple of their really big songs and some 41 members of 41 were there with the Dirty Nil and they did In Too Deep. Mm-hmm. So then I just texted Ash. I was like, do we just hit him with leather jacket right off the top? <laughs> like, let's not do all roads. Like, I think, you know, people in the crowd probably would have known it, but it's like kind of a chatty crowd. It's in a church. It's not like, if it was the most like dead silent crowd, you could kind of play anything and feel profound about it. Yes. Um, but, uh, oh no, we're going to do arm and arm is what we're going to do. But then, uh, we decided, but I was like, uh, you know, I don't want to like work for people's attention. Let's just like hit them with a big one. So then we did leather jacket. Everyone sing along. 
quitting you. We got, I encourage people to get up because the front rows are all tables. So I was like, all right, stand up and do a little dance with your partner. So that was yeah. fun. And then the sing-along that happened, because uh, originally it was just going to be Aaron Goldstein on pedal steel guitar, Tyler Kite on piano, and Mike D and I singing. But everybody knows the night they drove Dixie down. And, and every, all the bands are just watching the other performers side stage. Side stage. Yeah, so cool. just kind of like in the 10 minutes before we went on stage, I go up to Matt Mays. I'm like, hey, Matt, do you want to sing this? Uh, you know, Brad Germain, Matt, do you want to come up? You know, Steve Kiley, just all friends that would know that song. And it does have like these amazing like choral harmonies that in the church would just sound epic and big. And that's what we did. And they came up and it was, it was kind it of killed. awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was, yeah, it was incredible. Well, it was interesting is like, like you said, Shane, my plan was just to go to the after party, like a bunch of our buddies. Um, just because like, it's the holidays, be home to get the kids down. I just was like, I'm, and those tickets go fast for like the main show. And I just hadn't really paid attention, got the after show. Then like I talked to you the day before, cause we were, this Tim Bon Temps interview, which you'll be listening to in a bit came up. So we were talking, he's like, Hey, do you want like, want to come? I'm like, I'm not planning to. He's like, come on, throw you on list. I'm like, all right. So I get down there like later on, cause I, I get the kids to bed or whatever. Me and Danica are chatting. I get down there. I walk in. I don't even really know who's like, I, I assume I know from years past. And, uh, uh, Luke Bentham is up there from dirty nil and he's kind of doing his acoustic thing. And then he brings on drummer of dirty nil, Kyle. And then Ash had mentioned some 41. Like she's like, Oh, got to get here for some 41. But I was kind of like, what's she talking about? I was like some 41. I feel like I would have known if some 41 was playing. And then like, I turn around and there's like cone and brown sound. Like one's wearing the bass, one wears the. I'm like, holy shit! Is like a Sum 41 show gonna break out? Luke brings them on. They do like this hybrid of the Dirty Nil and Sum 41, and they play in too deep. And I'm just standing at the side of the stage. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, this just went to a whole other level. It was pretty awesome. Actually, the best part about it was, uh, I mean, the the performance is amazing, and those guys are <clears throat> as sweet as they come, and the fact that they <clears throat> came all the way from Oshawa to Hamilton on this rescheduled thing is like very nice of them. And just total team players in every sense. Um, J.R. Diggs, though, was working on this bit with Luke, where basically uh -oh. Luke was going to announce, <laughs> was going to announce, we're going to like play some 41 song. And then he and Kyle were going to start the song. And then J.R. bursts onto the stage. He goes, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. What if... Some forty one were actually here, and then that's a pretty good JR impression, yeah. actually. And then, and then, and then he invites him onto the stage. But I, I could just see Luke being coerced into this uh, bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Luke was doing some acting live on the yeah. stage. No, yeah, it was interesting to see. And uh, and then they came in and they rocked the house. It was awesome. It's very. Does very the audience care that the lead singer isn't there? Because I wonder if you know, let's say it was an Arkells example, <laughs> and it's like, oh, the Arkells are here, but Max doesn't come out. The audience might be like, wow, that's cool. No, but people, Luke, Luke had an amazing set on his own, right? And people, of course, it's in Hamilton. People love the Dirty Nil. It was actually kind of awesome. I was like, you know, if, if Derek from Sum 41 ever had to take a hiatus from the band, Luke would be an amazing it replacement. Rocks. It was it, very good. And there was some, some of the people in the front row, like, some like when Cone and Brown Sound got on stage, like they lost it. Like yeah. they were like shocked yeah. and like, holy shit. Like it was just, it was, there's something in the room changed and it was really cool. You kind of forget like what megastars they yeah. were back in the, How especially in the, they and, were and they, and by the way, they're still touring. They're playing massive shows also all around great. the world. They look great. But, but I was talking to Luke Bentham's girlfriend, Denise, who grew up in Germany and she was like, oh my God, like they're a huge deal to yeah. me growing up. I was like, oh man. So it's not just a GTA thing. It's like literally all around the world. So that was very cool. It was super cool. And I did meet a pod fan. Um, which I have to give her a shout out because I said I would. She stopped me as I was walking out and 
Yeah, there's my thank you note to certain people. JR, congrats, Santiago. Look at you. Lisa. Lisa. So I'm shouting out Lisa, who listens to the pod. We met in the hallway at the church as I was on my way out to the after party, and she just went on about how much she loves all three of us uh. and loves listening to the pod. And she was with her friend, who clearly doesn't listen to the pod, so it was one of those funny conversations where I kept trying to, like, bring in the friend a little bit to be like, you don't listen to the pod, but you're going to now and all that. And then jumped in the shuttle. There was a shuttle, by the way, to yeah. the after party. I got in with DZ and uh, Molly. It was great. I, you know what? I just had a little in- intimate look at Mike Veerman's uh, notes on his phone. Yeah. That is an intimate place to look at. Cause it, cause I was like, there's all these like drafts. So do you draft a lot of your thank you text messages? Always. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You- I, I draft my thank you text message, everything. No, cause you send a lot of uh, texts about the Raptors and basketball. So I think you do a draft on, on a lot of texts in your notes, right, Mike? Totally. My notes are like my drafts or everything, like gifts, uh, thank you notes, like anything that's longer than just like a quick sort of sentiment. Yeah. I like to organize my thoughts. On the on the train ride out, I was getting my Bon Temps points together because even though I didn't u- use them or pull them out in the interview, if I just write them down, they're in my brain and then I know where I want to go. Yeah. There's a little tip for you. You kids. and I are the exact opposite at texting. Like I will have 300 errors in just a, uh, <laughs> thanks for the drinks last night. It'll be like every word will be spelled wrong somehow. And there will be in the wrong context. I don't know how I do it. It's actually impressive, but I am always impressed by your texts, Mike. Shane, what is in your, uh, your notes right now in your, in your phone? Oh, it's crazy. I, I'm on my phone right now. I'd I'd flip through them, but it's nuts. It's the most random half sketches, uh, ideas, like a shorthand that only I could know. It's looking at it now. I probably wouldn't even be able to figure out what I was referring to. You're also a good frequent texter. I feel like you text with a lot of people. You you text like a lot. Like I'm not a big text guy. Like I don't, I'm not going to be a guy that gets in a bunch of like, I'm not going to like go back and forth with Sean Dawson all day. It's like, I kind of mm-hmm. say what I have to say. I'm more of an in-person guy when it comes to that. Or if I got to do something, then I'll do it. You know, I feel like you text more than me. I feel like you're in the text game. I don't know. I'm I'm actually scared to put things because I am so bad at it, and I I'm I'm bad, and I don't even put in the effort to make the text any good. I would say <laughs> we probably text the same amount. It's just minor shit, and you text <laughs> awesome like little novels. Right. Like I'm, I'm probably the worst texter out of anyone. I know you got to go soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we have this interview with Tim Bontemps that we'll get to and we'll, we'll yeah. tee up. Yes. But uh, this is uh, going to be the last part of the year. Yes, it is. Uh, do we have any like year end uh, best of lists or anything? Do we prepare that at all? I could talk about <laughs> I saw Tar in Babylon. I like how I, Max says, did we yeah. prepare that on Looks at Me, but he's the producer. <laughs> how is <laughs> Babylon? I'm very curious on that one. <laughs> oh, you saw it? I saw Babylon. Okay. Because uh, it's, it's polarizing. I feel yeah. like it's getting shit reviews. Uh, it's really fun to talk about. Both that and Tar. Do you know, have you heard of Tar, by the way? No. The Kate Blanchett movie? I haven't heard about it either. Yeah, oh, it's, it's she's a, a, um, service a, a concert conductor. conductor yes. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Babylon really. Long. She could probably play a concert. The woman can do anything. Mm-hmm. You really? Well, that's it, that's a bad joke. It's almost like how does one play a concert? Like if you gave her like an acting challenge. Oh sure, yeah. How do you? Could you perform a? Yeah, no, mind. I thought this it was very funny. That, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was no. You couldn't pay me to give me a refund. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Uh, it was very long. Um, I'm hungover, by the it, way. It was very outrageous in some moments. Yeah. The, the, the end of it, it kind of falls apart in a stupid way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, very much worth seeing. And I really want you two to see it so we could talk about it. Because it is it is an insane movie. And it would be really fun to have a like a full-on episode. Maybe we get Book Club Maddie on it just to talk about Babylon. So this the, you're recommending it, though, in your year-end list of recommendations. I, I'd say see it. You know, there's like some stuff where it's just like, 
is it like the best thing of all time? Not necessarily, but is it absolutely worth seeing so you could have a conversation about it? It would be in that second category. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Dig it. I'm dying to see it. Yeah. You got to see it. I, uh, I saw the film, uh, the Banshees of Insharen with, mm-hmm. uh, or Insharen. I don't know how to say it properly, but it's like, yeah. It takes- yeah, it's Sharon. It takes place in the twenties on this like island in in Ireland or whatever, and it's Colin Farrell and Gleason, and they're like these pub buddies. And then one day Gleason just tells Colin Farrell he doesn't want to hang out with them anymore. Ooh. And Colin Farrell's like, "What? Why not?" And he's like, "You just, I can't hang out with you anymore. I'm wasting my time. You're dull." I wow, want to, I want to yeah. my that one hit too just, close yeah. to home for me, so I, I was reluctant to. <laughs> 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 but what did you, I have seen that movie, uh, all kidding aside. What did you think of it, Mike? I loved it. I yeah. really, really loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And it was like, you know, like it, it starts to get more extreme. You know what I'm talking about? If you've seen the film. Yeah. Sometimes I think like, I, I liked it as a cute movie about this friendship. And then it kind of got really extreme, which usually I'm kind of like, eh, but I was in for the ride. The performances were awesome. Colin Farrell was amazing. I laughed out loud like three times. Uh, yeah. That's it. What did you think? I'm curious. Okay. I don't want to say it. It got too... Like sometimes I like when the metaphor actually makes sense for a story and they're not just doing it for metaphor's sake. And then when it ended, I was like, oh, that's just a metaphor about, you know. Ending stuff is hard. It's like Babylon yeah. and Tar. It was just both like, okay, how do you end this? Because mm-hmm. there's other parts of the movie that are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shane, anything come to mind? Best of of the year? Wait a second. I just got a question. When you say it hits too close, do you feel like you would be the guy that is asked uh, to stop hanging out with, or you'd be the guy that would try to cut oh, off the I'm friendship? I'm Colin Farrell, 100%. That's all I am. <laughs> but I don't know. I think you're, so, I think because the Gleason character, the reason he doesn't want to hang out with Colin Farrell is because he wants to write music. And he's mm-hmm. like, if I'm hanging out with mm-hmm. you, I'm not actually working on my mm-hmm. creative. I could see you getting so single minded about the sketch show or something that you want to pursue creatively that you do step away from like social things or friendships in the way that Gleason character kind of does. Sure. But I wouldn't be direct with someone and tell them I didn't want to hang with them. I would say, oh, I'm working on this for this finite period of time. And once I'm finished, I'll come back to you. I I don't hold grudges either. I'm the least like it's almost to a fault. I don't hold grudges. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you that's you'd, a be the guy, you'd be the guy that someone said they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Oh, yeah. I've been that guy. <laughs> like it's happening to <laughs> me as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, I actually do feel bad because this, you know, this night just kind of like this whole setup just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim Bontemps was in town. I was coming into Toronto. Why were you coming into Toronto? To do the interview with Tim oh. Bontemps. Where are you right now? We're at the we're at the Scotiabank Arena. You're at the Scotiabank Arena. We're on the 15th floor. Yeah. Uh, our friend uh, with the Raptors is letting us use the boardroom. Oh, cool. Because we're going to the game Is that tonight. cool for you, yeah, Mike? Yeah. Or are you just like, whatever? Uh, we've been here before. We recorded My, with, with uh, Virgil. Virgil when yeah. he was with MLSC. Yeah. Uh, but it is cool. Make no mistake about it. It's always very cool being in the building. And yeah, we're going to go to the game tonight. So I'm pretty excited about that. You're going to the basketball game? Yeah. Courtside? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. no the, we are, it's the great seats, though. It's the Nick Nurse seats. Where, where does Nick Nurse sit? <laughs> On the bench. Uh, no, uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Nick Nurse seats. Doesn't, isn't he pacing the whole game with the clipboard? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like it's like the, 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 the seats the tunnel. Like behind the bench, right on top of the tunnel there. Remember when Pascal, like you went to get like a 
fist pound and Pascal ignored you and then you slowly took your hand back that time we were oh, here? It's my inassuring moments. Yeah. Add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, what's your, what's your recommendation for the year and wrap up, Shaney boy? For movies? Anything. Uh, Literally okay. anything. Well, this is like just the most basic thing ever, but White Lotus season two. I thought yes. it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners, he brought his Lean phone closer right to, to his phone. phone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about White Lotus for uh, a second. I haven't seen it. So just no oh, spoilers. And I bet you a lot of our listeners maybe haven't. I don't okay, know. Okay, tell us why uh, Mike should watch it or someone who hasn't seen it should watch it. It, it kind of has everything. It's uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a mystery. It's sexy. It's done well. It's a good hangout film. It's, you know, yeah. uh, f- wish fulfillment kind of, you know, what what's that called when it's like succession and you're living through the characters, a, a type of like higher yeah. lifestyle. Like living vicariously through them? Yeah. Asp- a, aspirational. It's aspirational. Ash, yeah. Ash hit us with that one. It's something fulfillment. It's wish fulfillment isn't the right word for this, but yeah. something mm. fulfillment. Did you party at the after party, Max? Because I know you can get weird about partying at the corporate events after you play them. No, literally, I, I left right after just because uh, I was joking with Mike that it being when I'm in Hamilton, I, I say this very, like jokingly, but pe- people, some people look at me like I'm Bono. By the way, he yeah. wasn't saying that jokingly when he told this to Tim Bontemps. No, but I, no, I, he said, listen, Tim, in Hamilton, they kind of no, no, think no, of me no, as Bono. And, and, no, no, and no, I, in that, I, I is very nice that people like see the band in some por- kind of important way. And I feel a responsibility that if I'm there at some event that I need to give people my time. And so I can't really like, be off the clock. I'm on the clock. Like, yeah. you know, if there's a younger musician or somebody that works with an organization, some community leader, whatever, like I have to be like attentive and on it. Cause in the yeah. past when the band didn't have the profile, I could just go and party and didn't really think anybody yeah, you're was under judging me one way or You pull yeah, weird under- move. You're on the cover of the spectator <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm just like impolite to somebody and somebody goes, Oh, they're getting too big. He's oh, they're getting too asshole. big or fuck yeah. that guy. You know, so, so I just really need, I want to be really like on, um, it's funny though. Cause there's so many of my friends that are just there that really don't give one fuck about Julian any of that stuff. Came to the after party. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think there's a lot of other people there that are kind of counting on me. So I, so I, uh, was, had my, you know, business suit on and it was just being, being a good boy. The man yeah. played and snuck out the side yeah. door yeah. like a, like a pro. Nice. Mm-hmm. But, but you were missed. You're missed today too. You just missed in general. And I know this stretch is like the 25th to the first or whatever you like, you're, you're inactive, mm-hmm. but it would be nice if you what were do you here do for with us. New Year's Eve? Nothing. Yeah, I don't. Are like, you down, are you are you still at the cottage? Can you I come will down? be at the cottage. Are you guys doing anything good? Yeah, we're gonna do something fun. I'm not. No, no? I, I gotta be with my family. This is my fun night. Oh, okay. I'm, this is actually this is gonna be two nights in a row. I did the last night at the JR thing, and now this basketball game. It's like this is great. We're gonna meet up with Greg after. Actually, Greg mentioned so Randy Urban, our friend. Oh yeah. Uh, he does like a show with like Jack Armstrong and all those guys yeah. like in real sports. Greg's like come to real sports after the game. I bet you Randy will put you on the show. Oh, hilarious! Wow. Which would be really funny. That'd be funny. Yeah. I'll do yeah. That. Or, would you do that? Me. Yeah. No. Um. Mike. Yeah. Oh. oh I yeah. Thought, be laugh. Who would? Who? Who is he saying would be on the show? You or Matt? Greg sold it like Greg sold it like he would have both of us sit ah, down I and see. do like the after the breakdown dinner thing that he does in real sports. That would be awesome. Or it would be it would be hilariously like uh, uncomfortable where it's like we both get there, but then they just pull Max in and they're like, "Oh, yeah, Mike, go have a drink." Which again, I'd be happy to do. Man. Okay. I'll keep my eyes out. I just checked the time. I do have to go. Uh, yeah. Okay. Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. Right? Ash wanted us to have like a, a holiday spirit to this. Shannon, <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> All right, Shani, uh, happy new year. Have the best time. And we'll set up Tim Bontemps yeah. uh, after we say bye to Shani. Awesome. Thanks, you, guys. Bye-bye. Love Bye. you all. Bye.
Love y'all. All uh, right. Well, that was, he came in a little hot. Yeah. He was angry. <clears throat> He'd been sitting in but the I think room. he was happy by the end of it. Yeah, we want him over. He can't stay mad at us for no. long. No, I feel like the three of us can never stay mad at each no, other. No, it's too much fun. I don't even know if time I've been mad at you. Oh, really? Have I you been mad at me? I don't think so. I can't. I, I'm usually I can't. not mad at many people. You don't so. get mad, really. No. Um, you get even. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like I mentioned off the top, Tim is joining us for a long interview. We talk about how he got into writing. He's obviously an ESPN writer. He has a podcast called The Hoop Collective. We all listen to it. Obviously, Max and myself, we're pretty big basketball nerds, so this was a really good uh, uh, sort of hang for us. We hope you enjoyed as well and our enthusiasm and sort of the minutiae of how he does his job uh, come across. Yeah, and if you're here because you're a Tim Bontemps fan and he like retweeted or something. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these basketball writers that we listen to, it's like we don't really know a ton about them or where they come from. They just kind of come into our lives because you find them on some other podcast or on a website or whatever. And then you and then you're kind of off to the races with them. But this is kind of fun because Tim talks about you know growing up in a small town and how he parlayed a job at the New York Post into a job at the Washington Post and over to ESPN. And uh, we do get in the weeds a little bit with his colleagues. So Brian Brian, we, what about Brian? That's Brian Windhorst. Yes, he does a podcast with Brian Windhorst. And when he, if he mentions Tim, it's Tim McMahon. If he mentions Adrian, it's Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah, these are massive names in uh, the world of basketball. Basketball journalism. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that gives you a, a, a sort of listener's guide, uh, and you enjoy the conversation because we certainly did. Yeah, this is it. I guess the next time people will be listening to us will be in the new year, twenty twenty three. Here we go. So off to Tim on Thames. See you in twenty twenty three. we're here in Toronto with ESPN reporter Tim Bontemps. How's it going? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? 
Very glamorous setup in my hotel room. Yeah, I get to set the scene here for our listeners. Like, you have an amazing view of Lake Ontario right now. This is, you got like the prime spot. ESPN, what, do they give you an amount of money for the hotel? <laughs> because, because I have other friends that have corporate jobs and they're like, <laughs> make okay, it seem like I'm in a suite. We're, we're, <laughs> well, because like our one friend uh, who works at an unnamed tech company, it's like they, they have to stay at one hotel in Beverly Hills, but sometimes he'll pay the extra 50 bucks, go to another hotel. What, what do they give you a limit? I mean, uh, yeah, like if I tried to stay at the Ritz for 600 a night, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but you know? if you were like, I'm hobnobbing with the, the visiting team, there's a lot of good conversations yeah, to be had I in can, the lobby. I, they would say you can walk to the Ritz, which is <laughs> what I do. I mean, I mean, look, it's I, I would say it's basically uh, you just try to be reasonable, you know, like sure. a couple hundred bucks American a night, try to like not go crazy. A couple hundred bucks American. That's like... It's like 400 Canadian. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Your money goes far here. It's nice. Yeah. Though I will say as, as basketball fans, it's very exciting to have you on the, on the pod because uh, even though we're a general pop culture pod, all we really want to do is talk about basketball. <laughs> all, Mike basically is his own like columnist in our Facebook message group. When I have the time, if you know, the kids aren't all over me and it's like someone asking an opinion on what do the Raptors need to do trade-wise? I'll literally say, I was getting my winter tires put on. I, I wrote like about five paragraphs. Raptors are obsessive Raptors fans. I didn't know that was a thing. So. <laughs> You're being facetious. Um, I am quite. Yeah, it is. The, the joke though with our pod is it's like we've had various celebrities, musicians, actors, whatever. Michael Lewis came on. You're a big fan of his work. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Michael Lewis is about 70 levels above me, maybe 7,000 levels above me. This is my point though, is I'm more excited for this well, as a listener of the Hoop Collective, uh, uh, you know, with you and uh, Brian Windhorse and, and well, as you speaking guys of the Hoop Collective, I'll share a joke that was on the pod yesterday. I recorded our pod that posted today, uh, yesterday, if you're listening. Uh, and before Brian got on, McMahon and I were talking and McMahon said, isn't there that river that goes by the hotel there? I was like, no, McMahon, that's called the, a lake and only is a lake it's a great lake it's a great lake so it shows what i'm dealing with on our pie every week but you we we met tim and i met at nick nurse's foundation uh golf tournament yeah give us some background why yeah. tim's on this pod how you made this connection so basically i don't think i knew what you look like but you, you introduced yourself to me because you're uh, and i that, did and i was like i went up to max yeah. and said hey nick turning me on music i'm a big fan and max was like I want to just talk about basketball. I said, okay, <laughs> sure. But it's, it's fun be too because it's like you live in our earbuds and on the page. And so to meet somebody in real life is so exciting. But it really is like when I think about like, what's my comfort blankie? Like, you know, if I've had a long day, if I'm stressed, if I'm having a hard time going to sleep, yeah, it is It is like your voice and the voice of, you know, Zach Lowe and Rosillo and and Windhorse and Simmons. It's like, these are your friends. These are my friends. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love that uh, the relationship that, you know, you can have with podcaster and a, and I a appreciate report. that. That's and, very cool. And, and, and we really like, you know, if we, I think if you were to ask most of our friends was like, if you didn't have the job you have now, what would be your job and what would be your dream job? Then it'd be like an NBA beat report. Well, you have it. You, you kind of have, have all of our dreams. We have great jobs, like cool jobs, fun jobs, but yours seems like sort of the dream. It's, it beats. I mean, I grew up on a farm down South of Buffalo on the near Jamestown, New York. And, uh, if you'd told me 20 years ago I was going to be doing this for a job, I'd have been pretty psyched. So, so okay, and we talked about this the other night, but just for our listeners, walk us through, where did you go to university or college, as you like to say? Yeah. How did you get the job at the Washington Post, and how did you parlay that into the ESPN yeah, job? Yeah, so real quick, I I grew up on a farm near Jamestown, New York, and I went to St. Bonaventure for undergrad. Uh, wanted to always do 
this as a career. Didn't really ever have a backup plan. Did you write for the school paper? I did write for the school paper. I covered our basketball team. Where's uh, St. Bonaventure? It's about 45 minutes west of where I grew up. It's like an hour 15 southwest or southeast of Buffalo. Other okay. famous grads too. Adrian Wojnarowski. Yep. Uh, Andrew Nicholson. Yeah. Mississauga Zone. Yeah. Um, really turned our program around. Ironically, the four years I was in school was the four years worst years in school history. Mm. And then Andrew showed up 12 months later and completely t- turned our program around, which is great. Speaking of Andrew Nicholson, there's a bar around the corner here called Real Sports. It's right by the- Of course. And it was the year that we lost the coin toss to uh, Golden State. It was the Harrison Barnes, Terrence Ross Yes, that's draft. right. So we go there to see who they're going to take eighth or whatever. And I think we were kind of like, Juan Austin Rivers? I think he was in that draft. Anyway, when Andrew Nicholson gets picked- plays like a huge scream from up like in the uh, the balcony and it's Andrew and his family. Ah, so they cool. were watching Got the draft. About Orlando. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Huge moment as a Bonaventure guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so I graduated from Bonaventure in 2007. I got a job at the New York Post, um, mostly doing that rag pages. That <laughs> love the New York Post. Hit the record in New York. Do they have, hey, come on. It's do the they, best. Do they have a good sports section? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. A, fan, a, a legendary sports section. Yeah, it was an incredible place to work. It was awesome. Like you have the cool thing about working at a place like the New York Post is you have total freedom creatively. From the liberal elites. (laughs) In the sports pages, you have creative freedom to sort of write in a way that you don't. Like I went from working there to the Washington Post and then from there to ESPN. Mm -hmm. And like you can be a lot more creative in what you want to say in the New York Post. Mm. Like it's sort of. No holds barred. Yeah, because you know those Ivy League assholes breathing down your neck well, at the Washington it's, Post, right? It, well, it's just a, it's a tabloid, so <laughs> you can have post, a little more fun. The Post is known for their headlines, right? Clever yes. headlines. Yeah, yes. both front page and back page. Like the back page headlines at the Post are pretty good. Did you ever contribute to any headlines? Could you like su- suggest? A, I like, love that job. I, I was a headline so writer. When I was doing Agate, so when I was doing Agate, the first five years I was there, I would do, you'd go in and do the standings pages and take calls from writers and they'd file stories at night. And so I'd be in there with the editors and like, it's just open season. Like if there's like a Yankee game on, people are just watching the game and throwing out ideas for <laughs> back pages. Like, Hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? Like, like a column or a headline? No, for the headline. It's called the wood. Like that's what the like newspaper term is for the, like for what the headline is on the back page or yeah. the front page of the tab. So everybody in the room is just sort of like throwing out ideas. I love it. I mean, it's probably like, it's, it's I don't, I haven't been in a songwriting room. If you're writing yeah, a workshop people, or a comedy writing room for yeah, a TV show. It's, it's, like, oh, it's a similar deal. Like everybody's sort of throwing out ideas and then, Oh, Hey, that's good. Maybe tweak it like this, maybe do this. Or somebody will just say something like, that's perfect. We'll do that. So was there anything I can imagine all the filthy stuff that would have been. Well, uh, what was crazy. I mean, <laughs> we're getting off my path, but what it was during my time at the, when I was in the office at the post, that was the whole Tiger Woods thing, Oh yeah, which <laughs> broke the record for most consecutive front pages. I think it was 18 or 19 Woods days uh, in a row. Wood. Yeah. And it was like just being in the office at a place like that every day, and seeing whatever wild stuff was going to be on the front page of the paper <laughs> was jokes flying all yeah, over the place. It was, it was crazy. So I, yeah. So I did that for five years. And then during the NBA lockout in 2011, I was a big NBA guy. I wanted to cover the NBA. Um, and our New Jersey Nets beat writer at the time was an older guy named Fred Kerber, who was not planning on covering the team when they were in Brooklyn. 
because he didn't want to mm. commute into the city. It was he lived in New Jersey? It was a huge pain to get into the city. It. So I was trying to position myself to do that. So during the lockout, I started to go to all the lockout meetings because they were in New York, and you would just go like sit at a hotel for ten hours wow. and wait for them to be done, and then yeah. have a meeting. So I ended up being at the lockout when the lockout ended. It ended at five o'clock in the morning on Black Friday into Saturday. Waited for like 15 hours. Did you have a girlfriend at the time? Uh, I did have a girlfriend at the time. Interesting. It was, it was a lot of work because it, I mean, it was just, I was just working all the time. So yeah. I was trying to get out of being in the office mm-hmm. and like get to being on a beat. But I was, they called us all upstairs, this office room at this law office. And uh, they ended the lockout at literally like 4.55 in the morning. There's this picture of like, there's this, it's a little table like this and David Stern, Adam Silver, Peter Holt, who then owned the um, Spurs, Spurs. Yeah. Derek Fisher and Billy Hunter was the head of the union. We're all sitting at a table and I was on the other side with like three other writers. Oh, I was wow. like the only people in the you room were there. So you're dedicated. You got the scoop. I, I happened to be there for that. So then that year, the lockout year, I covered both the Knicks and the Nets. And then starting when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, I covered the Nets full time for the Post for three years. Then I went to the Washington Post. I was there for three years. And How'd you I get got, the job of the Washington Post? Because that seems like a big deal. It's actually a really funny story. I you I, put the post on a pedestal, the Washington uh, post on the pedestal, yeah. and you shit on the New York yeah, post. Yeah, I'm a liberal elite. Gotcha. Yeah. We well, about this. I love working at both places. It was, but I I'd always dreamed about working at the Washington Post. I tried to get an internship there in college, got rejected. Was Kornheiser still there when you were working? No, there? he was long gone. Was Wilbon still? Wilbon there? was long gone okay. too. Um, but I had grown up reading those guys yeah. and reading Sally Jenkins and Tom uh, Boswell yeah. and all these people. I was like, I'd love to work there. It'd be incredible. And their wizard's job had come open in 2014. I applied and I got a one sentence rejection email. So I was like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I got a great job. Life's, life's okay. And uh, a year later, uh, you mentioned Adrian Wojnarowski before. He went to start the vertical at Yahoo and he hired Michael Lee away from the post. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So their national MBA job opened up. And some people said to me like, hey, you know, you're going to apply for this post job. I was like, they didn't want to talk to me to be the Wizards beat writer. Like, why would they want to talk to me to cover the league? It doesn't make any sense. And I'll never forget it. I was at the US Open writing sidebars and I got an email from Matt Vita, who became my boss and said, hey, uh, no, I know you sent your stuff last year for this Wizards job. Like, do you want to, do you have any interest in doing this job covering the league for us? I was like, what is going on? This does not make any sense. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'd love to talk to you about it. Called me five minutes later. We talked for an hour. I went down, interviewed, got the job. It was probably the best job I'll ever have. Just incredible. Working at the Washington Post, writing about the league. My job essentially- Were you living in DC then? Did you have to move? No, so that's the other funny thing. So my job was essentially, my job description was essentially find the most interesting thing about the NBA every day and write about it, which is a great job. Yeah. And it was an incredible place to work. Um, So I- I was living in New York City. They didn't want me to move because there's two teams there. The league office was there. You're covering the whole league anyway, so you don't need to move to Washington. Mm. So stay in New York. And then after that first season in New York, I covered the 2016 playoffs. I covered all of Thunder Spurs, which was Tim Duncan's last series, all of Thunder Warriors, which was that insane 3-1 comeback, the Clay Thompson game six six. game. People tried to fight me in the stands in OKC. Why? What's the story there? Uh, 
So I, we were all reacting on press road, everything that was going on in this crazy clay comeback. And there were these drunk fans sitting right behind us who like got really mad that their team lost and like oh, yeah. tried to literally climb over the stands and like come <laughs> after us. Oh, and the PR guys, the Thunder PR guys like ran over and were like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like get away from here. Like it, that, that arena was one of the crazier places I've ever been mm-hmm. for that game. But I did that series and then I did Warriors Cavs, which obviously was a crazy series. Yeah. So then that, the, that playoff run ends and Kevin Durant, who's from uh, Prince DC. George's County, mm-hmm. right outside DC, goes from goes obviously goes to the Warriors that summer, and the Washington Post is a subscription website, and I got two and a half million hits on three stories: one the day before, one the day of, and the one day after he signed uh. combined. Uh, which was, you know, I mean, I was I was normally getting good numbers for our place, but not like nothing near that, mm. anywhere close. So I pitched to my bosses like, "Hey, this is going to be a huge story." you know, maybe we should move to the Bay and cover the Warriors out there and like be around them all the time because they're going to be the biggest story in the league. So I actually moved out to San Francisco. I was there the first two years Kevin was there. And then one day my old boss at ESPN, Christina Daglas called me and said, do you have interest in basically coming to cover the Eastern Conference for us? And I said, sure. And what's your relationship with Kevin Durant? Got there. Uh, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't have a super close one with him. I mean, he's, he's always been good to me. Mm-hmm. He's a, I, th- I loved interviewing him cause he's a really fascinating, thoughtful guy. Like Very the thing candid. I appreciate about, yeah. The thing I appreciate about Kevin is if he, if you ask him a question, he'll answer it. You might not like the answer. He might just say, like, you might ask him something. You might just say, if it's a yes or no question, you might just say no and not expound on it. But if he thinks a question is dumb, he'll just say, I think that question is dumb. <laughs> and if he has something to say about it, he'll talk about stuff extensively. Like that's all I ask for. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need anybody to be, I don't need anybody to necessarily be like pleasant to me if they think I said something dumb. Like, but if you're going to be thoughtful, that's fine with me. That's all I'm looking for. So that's how I got DSPN. No, I've been here ever since. And it's great. I'm fascinated, you know, uh, one about the hoop collective. Cause it, it seemed like that kind of started as Brian bringing in a rotating group of writers. And then you guys hit on this sort of chemistry, the three of you that seem to really sort of like, that feels like that's the heart of the show. I know he still brings in some writers every once in a while, but how did that sort of change where you guys realize, Oh shit, we got well, something. It, that's also sort of a, that was sort of a happy accident, I would say. So when I came to ESPN, I guess to back up when I was still at the New York post, I had done some pods with, uh, McMahon and Tom Haberstroh and Brian back in the day and some other people. And obviously we've all been friends for a long time, but when I got to ESPN, um, Brian was doing a pod with Tim McMahon and the legend, Jackie McMullen. Oh yes. Yeah. I call her, she gets mad at me when I call her the legend, but she literally (laughs) is the legend. So she's the best. She retired, right? She retired. She's still doing, she did a thing for the ringer. Yeah. She's now completely retired. Very, very happy in retirement. She's Mm. loving life. But, uh, but she, when she, she was doing a pod, this same pod every week, they would do Tim, Jackie and Brian would do the pod every week. And then when Jackie went to the ringer and stopped doing pods, they had an opening on this pod, this weekly pod. And so uh, Brian decided to have me fill in that spot. And so now we do it once a week throughout the year. And it's awesome. It's my favorite hour of the week. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you, you kind of went viral uh, during a fight when you called Brian a jackass. <laughs> I, I know it went around our group where I was like, holy shit. I was like, did you listen so that, to the collective this that, week? That story, <laughs> that whole thing was funny. So... <laughs> Brian and I talk like three times a day and uh, 
I had slept like, I don't remember why I'd slept like 90 minutes the night before that pod. I don't remember why. I think I was working on a story. I might've been sick or something. I was not in a great mood. You weren't having it. I was And Brian likes to be <laughs> obstinate on purpose. What's that word mean? Uh, he likes to cause arguments. Uh, okay. Uh, he likes to, he likes to intentionally, that's a Washington post word. Yeah. He, he likes, seems like a big contrarian too. When it came to the Joel yes, and B. He likes to intent, right. Yeah. He likes to intentionally MVP. have arguments to like stir things up. Yeah. And <laughs> He's an this was before we did video podcasts. Mm-hmm. What a shame. And, or like, so we had our cameras, we we're on zoom, but we had our cameras off and I, he, I don't think he realized I was as annoyed as I was. Yeah. Cause again, I was not, I was literally not feeling very well. So he was sort of intentionally being a dope. And so then I got mad. So then because the pod were like this one was going, it went up a day after I called him after. And I was like, Hey man, like that was ridiculous what you were doing on the pod. Like, why were you doing that? He's like, I oh, sorry, I didn't realize it. And then we talked for an hour uh-huh. and it was like, didn't even think twice about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then the next day this pod comes out and it's like, then it becomes a thing. And I was like, I, I don't really need to be dealing with this. And, you know, so it, it's become a, a silly what was thing. The, but, what was the hilarious thing he did when on TV? What's in going on in Utah? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that great. thing this summer. I mean, Brian's an incredible storyteller. Like he just, that, that was a perfect combination of like, he was on a show where he had, it was like a half an hour. The, <laughs> the first block of like on TV generally, you're never on for more than like 10 or 12 minutes in a row. Brian was on for like half an hour straight. So he had to stretch. Yeah, so he yeah. had like, he had time to stretch his legs and like tell this story and he hit, right, do the all fingers. of this. He loves to, Brian loves to talk with hand motion. So he did, like he had like <laughs> the freedom to tell like this whole long story. And yeah, I mean, it obviously that became a, a pretty viral moment this summer. How competitive is it? Like, are there writers that you... Like, like, I guess like you, like you said, you and Brian are friends, you talk every day, there's a chemistry there, but there's gotta be probably writers, maybe even within your own team where the competition is intense or is it, I mean, we're all working together on stuff. So it's not like, you know, like the goal for the goal at our place is for us to break the story, you know, like if we break that's done. Yeah. Like if we break the story, then I'm happy, you know, if like, you don't want, it's like anything else, right. You don't want, you don't want to have the competition, get a story you think you could have had. So that's what, at our place, that's what we try to do. So I have a, I have a friend uh, who has a saying, he's like a kind of a wheeler and dealer, and he he's, he tells his team, um, dinners over lunches and texts over emails. That's like what the instructions he gives to his team because he's like, that's how you build relationships. And, and you know, as a reporter, and, you know, we know lots of the, the reporters here in Toronto, and, uh, you know, it's like having a relationship with whether it's with a player or a front office or a coach, it's like that is a huge part of the success of your job because if you're getting an angle on something or a scoop, mm-hmm. then that can be really important for the business. Um, how do you think about going, uh, you know, about cultivating those relationships? Uh, like, and, and uh, is it, or are you not interested in that? Do you like being arm's length from it? No, I mean, look, I think no matter what you're trying to do, I think the goal is to build relationships. I mean, whatever kind of, whatever kind of story you're trying to write, you can't tell the right story if you can't, um, get people to be honest with you about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Which comes from a level of trust and respect that you're going to 
tell the story in the right way and be fair about everything, which is really just what I try to do is be fair. But yeah, like I say, as far as building sources, I would compare it to like building a friend network. Really. It's so really well, Rachel not, Nichols is a good example of that. She really seems to yeah, have it's, it's a friendship it with these people. Well, it's it, it. I wouldn't even necessarily say it's about being friends so much as like mutual respect or something. Yeah. Like when you, it's like, if you move to a new city, you like, like you just go about meeting people and you like, go out to lunch with somebody mm-hmm. or like when you meet somebody you like next time you talk to them, you remember that they're engaged or they had mm-hmm. a kid or, you know, it's like just sort of basic, like you go to school, you learn how to make friends at school. Yeah. It's like, it's the same thing. You're building relationships with people. Cause like, that's the thing. Like you start stories don't come about because you, um, like somebody, like I said, somebody just feel, you know, that somebody just feels like, uh, they, they're just going to, oh, I'm just going to call this guy and tell him something. It's because you have a relationship with somebody with like, you're talking to them all the time. And they're like, Hey, I heard about this that's going on. And then mm-hmm. you dig around and find it. Um, that only comes from spending time getting to know people and building those kind of relationships with people. It doesn't happen by mistake. So when I was in New York uh, for our Barry Barnum show, I, you wait, well, you went to that, right? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was good awesome. Time. It was an awesome time. My wife and I both went, had a blast. Did you crowd surf? <laughs> no, oh, didn't right. crowd surf. Okay. Didn't well, crowd surf. We, I ended up uh, finding myself in Gary Bettman's office. Uh, <laughs> Much and, maligned uh, NHL commissioner. Yeah. Hey, and, you're telling uh, me about that. And I, and I actually had a really lovely time with him. He was quite like warm and sweet and inquisitive and like kind of very much contrary to I also to told his, you he liked one of your songs. He liked one of That's our songs. Yeah. Heart. So that was yeah. nice. So, and I find it was just, you know, once you get to know somebody and you know, their public perception is, is maybe much different mm-hmm. than how they actually are. Is there anybody in the league that you're like, Oh, you know, so-and-so is actually funny or so-and-so is actually different than kind or kind or, or just, or just not what you'd assume, whether it's a coach or a front office person or an owner or a player that's like, oh, someone's got a good, good sense you know, of humor. Like, who you do know, you like? Who, you know, like, who are people you that know you actually like? like that? I mean, I would say a, a guy that's like that to me is is Tom Thibodeau, actually. Oh, interesting. Mm. Coach of the Knicks. Like, yeah. Tibbs is a guy that's seen as, you know, pretty gruff and, you know, he's barking on the sideline, you know, yelling ice. He looks so stressed out. He yeah. just, he looks like a, he looks like a hard driving coach. Right. But like, <laughs> if you talk to him privately, he's, he's a really funny guy. He's a really nice guy. Mm. Um, but publicly you see him and you think he's like this, you know, guy who never smiles like and intimidating or something. Yeah. yeah. But he's a really, he's a, like, I, I genuinely like him as a guy a lot. Like, I don't, I don't know him very well. Um, like we've interacted a few times outside of press conferences, but he's, he's just a, he's a pretty funny guy that like, and like you, like from your question about like, who's from a public facing standpoint, who would you not expect to be like that? Yeah. I don't think people would expect him to have a real sense of humor. Who's the funniest coach? Funniest. Uh, it's a good question. Doc. Yeah. He's up there. I mean, he's got, he's obviously got a really good personality. Um, Bill Simmons always said that the, the reporters were always so good on him in Boston because they liked him. Like, so they wouldn't really take yeah, him to task. Doc, I mean, Doc's, was- Doc's a master of, of, uh, like he, he does a masterful job in a press conference. You ah, know? He, interesting. But like, he's also done it for like a lot of these guys who've done it for a long time. Like Steve Kerr is like that. Like part of the job is managing yeah. relations with the media and like, you know, Popovich has his own way of doing it, but he's good at it in his own way. Doc's really good at it. Steve Kerr's really good at it. You know, um, 
if you're if you've been around a long like you you're not Mike D'Antoni was always um really good at that you know just knowing the right thing to say and kind of you know oh, this isn't a big deal kind of brushing stuff off it's it, it, part of the job any owner any owners that you have relationships with uh yeah a few of them i mean i always think owner we're i think we're lucky at mlsc that le- people really like larry tannenbaum and like yeah it feels like a very well-run organization from at least our vantage point but there's a lot of owners out there that seem like very like disconnected psychopaths. Um, <laughs> it, Speaking of owners, we were at a bachelor party for my brother in Chicago and we ended up in this suite to watch the strokes <laughs> and red hot chili peppers. But as the chili peppers came on and the drinks were flying, the shirts came off and we had like 20 guys in a suite, like just dancing like the chili peppers. And there was this family beside us and they were like, and the, the little kid got into it and he took his shirt off, but they like, they thought we were hilarious. Max tries to go over to the suite. He's like, I want to go meet those people. And they're like, you can't go into that suite. Yeah, there's a security guard being like, you can't go in there. I'm like, why can't I go in there? I just want to say hi. They love us. And they're like, you can't go in there. I'm like, well, who's in there? They're like, the McCaskies. Then I'm like, who oh, are the, the bears? Yeah, they're like, who are the McCaskies? The they own the bears in the stadium that you're in. I'm like, oh, just a bunch okay. of Canadian idiots with their shirts <laughs> off. We give it away now. You know, they're loving it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I know a few of them. I mean, it, that's sort of the same thing, right? Like those guys are around and mm-hmm. like you're, they're around the team. You know, like when the Nets are owned by Mikhail Prokhorov, I got to know him a little bit. Oh, he's an interesting, <laughs> he seems like an interesting guy. I did never, party I never partied with, with him. Never partied with didn't no. he like get dropped out of like helicopters and ski? Wasn't that his thing? He did well, extreme the, sports. That was sort of the legendary story when he fired Avery Johnson, the like they fired Avery like two days after Christmas and Mikhail came like three days later and did a press conference and said, I couldn't come sooner because I was hella skiing in <laughs> British Columbia. And then I came back and now I'm here. I was like, all right, well, it's That's a different it. life than me, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's sort of the same thing. Like those guys, they're around, like it's, sort of the same deal as everything else. I got a question about sort of news reporting or reporting of sort of, I assume that, you know, actually we just know this from talking to other reporters or people within any industry. There's sort of like, uh, maybe it's beyond gossip, but stories that, you know, that people talk about that could be newsworthy and maybe you should break it. How often do you guys like not report stuff? And you hear this a lot in the pods, like, I don't want to get aggregated. I don't want to say this or what, but it's like, how do you decide what goes and what doesn't? Um, I, th- I think it's just more of a, when the, when you have the story, you report it. And when you don't, you don't like there's, it's, it's, I, What's I wouldn't the criteria say, for having it though. Is I, it it's like, hard for me to define it. Gotcha. You know, like just so, like, there's things you hear that like you hear stuff and it's like, all right, that might be something, but you don't know it. Right. But like when you know something, then it's a, then you can really do something with the, it. The thing which I, cause we spent a lot of time on the NBA Reddit page where <laughs> and it's like, it's such a gossipy league though. Yeah. And like what defines as like real reporting versus like what's just kind of gossip. Like you should start a burner account. I, I am not going to have a burner account. No? If I, if I get out of this job, I will be off social media so fast. <laughs> That's funny. I'll be, I'd be very happy to be off of social media permanently. We've talked it's an about important part of my job, but it's a cesspool. Oh yeah, no, it's it's terrible. But uh, back to the <laughs> gossipy parts of this job. Uh, okay, we're in the Delta right now. One of our dreams is to go to the Vegas Summer League because yeah. that feels like why? <laughs> well, because it feels you like you have the means to go. It's not that hard. Tickets to Vegas in the summer are like fifty dollars. No, I know, but it feels like a cool time. And or also the Rico runs. 
We are very obsessed with the Rico runs because for our I listeners- I mean, that would be more fun for you to go to than Summer League, I would say, if you could get into that. Summer know, League guy. is fun because you get to I'm see- I'm sure the, you do. You get to see the rookies <laughs> and then you can, you know, do some gambling. You get to party a bit. Like, it feels like a fun three-day thing. Do you enjoy the Vegas Summer League or are you like out on that? Uh, I don't really enjoy Vegas at all. Gotcha. Like the city. Um I mean, it's a great networking event. I was just there for the G League Showcase, which is a great networking event too. Um, But yeah, like I'm there for work. So the whole league is there for summer league. So it's good to go see people. But yeah, like from a basketball standpoint, if you want to go, like you watch, you know, Rico, the the runs, the Raptors, you know, the Raptors player development coach, Rico Hines, used to play for UCLA. Like the runs he has in LA, like a ton of NBA players play in those runs. Mm. They're really good games. Like you're a basketball fan. Obviously, most people can't watch them. It's like they're spectators. Mm-hmm. But if you can get in and watch that, you're going to see big time players playing pickup, which is a fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be a fun thing to see. That's I cool. mean, summer league is a cool event, but you know, other than seeing the rookies play it once or twice, it's like you know, the basketball's not exactly great. Do you hoop? Do you play ball growing up? I was a very okay high school player in small six, town three, West though, New York State. Yeah, you're tall. Did you? I was a center who set oh, screens I, and yeah. wasn't allowed to shoot. Yeah. They always do this. With, you know, like 6'3 is like a point guard in the NBA, right? Like a successful, but you know, a like farm, a big- farm uh, yeah. community. Well, it's yeah. funny. We, I went back to my high school. Uh, I got asked to write a forward for my buddy Seth Partnow's book a couple years ago called The Midrange Theory. It's a really good book if you like the NBA. Um but I went back. I, I say that because I wrote the forward about going back to watch my high school play three or four years ago, actually on a way up here for a game. And uh, it, what was crazy to me was watching them play. Like when I, 20 years ago when I was in school, it was very much a, like, you know, we had one kid on our team who'd shoot threes <laughs> and everybody else was not allowed to shoot Defined threes. Defined roles. Yeah. Well, it was like that kid was a, a good enough shooter. Where he could shoot threes. Yeah. Pretty much everybody else, you weren't allowed to shoot threes. We had a really good team, but like it was, you know, we were not trying to shoot three pointers. And I went back to watch Randolph High School play, like I said, three for probably 2019 or 2020 before the pandemic started. And they ran Mike D'Antoni's spread offense. Wow. They would have two kids run to the corners. They had another two, they had one kid run a pick and roll and another kid on the wing ready to shoot. And they had a, you know, a, like a six, five kid who would set screens and roll to the rim. Mm-hmm. And then they would hit guys in the corners for threes. And they had one awesome ball handler who would score a lot. And that was what they did the whole game. Like they didn't, they barely took, I think they took three mid range jumpers the whole game. Mm-hmm. They got two shot clock violations because they like grabbed the ball at, in like the mid range and panicked or like, I can't shoot a mid ranger and like tried to dribble out and shoot a three. And I was just like, this is math has changed the game. Yeah. Well, it was just that. And that was the whole, that was the whole thing. It was like, even at small high school and our coach has coached for 25 years. He's a really good coach, but still like at the smallest of small high school basketball in the country, like threes and layups. Th- right. It yep. was just like, it was literally like watching the Rockets. Yeah, it was yeah. insane to me. They probably won more uh, than the Rockets. Well, I mean, they, they were all, like, they've had an awesome team doing that. And like, they won this game. They won like 90 to 30. Like, oh, we, wow. Even when we, we had really good teams, like we lost in the section final my senior year. Like we weren't winning games by 60 points. <laughs> nah. Like they were, and they were just, they were running this whole pro style offense the mm-hmm. whole game. So yeah, like, like you said, the math, the math at every level, has just completely 
change the sport. It's totally different than it was 20 years ago. Okay, we got to wrap this up soon because you are going to uh, Scotiabank Arena to cover the game tonight. There's a game tonight. There's a game tonight. The uh, just curious though, is, you know, it's about four o'clock. What are you doing between like four thirty and seven? You're at the arena. What are you doing? Uh, so tonight just cuts to him eating popcorn and watching a movie. <laughs> uh, so Nick Nurse will talk at five forty-five. It's a seven thirty game, I think tonight. Yeah. So Nick will talk at five forty-five. Taylor Jenkins will talk at six. The locker rooms will be open from six fifteen to six forty-five. Uh, and before and after that, you know, I'll. There are, there's some opposing scouts here that I know are here. Mm. I'll talk to them about what's going on. Some trade uh, bait happening. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, you'll talk to people what they're hearing around the league. Um, I obviously, you know, I'll try to catch up with some more Raptors people who I haven't seen yet this week. Um, get a sense of what's going on with the Raptors, but it's a lot of information gathering, mm-hmm. you know, like try to talk to as many people as you can and see what's going on and get the pulse of like, you know, I haven't seen Memphis in a while. So you know, their front office is here. I'll catch up with them for a while. You know, yes, Dylan Brooks, why he's such a lunatic. <laughs> he's a Canadian. I know. I, I love Dylan Brooks. He's a back, lunatic on the back court. He's a Canadian. Yeah. Um, he would be frustrating if he was on my team. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that's like, you know. I want him to play for Team Canada. I think he's amazing. Uh, I was going to ask, so you've been here for the week though. Are you? I've been here, yeah, since Monday night, yeah. So are you, is that a feature on the wraps or is just the right teams were yeah, coming no, in? I, I mean, it worked out where there's three games in four days. And so- um, good right at the Delta Delta. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can go down <laughs> the street. There's three good Western conference teams here. Yeah. And so I can see, um, you know, three games in four days, catch up with a bunch of people and then write something on Toronto. That Clippers game was depressing. I, I had my, I have, a, I have like a 11 month old baby and she only sleeps like on my chest. So I was watching the game on my phone in a dark room with the baby sleeping <laughs> and halfway through the fourth, I was so depressed. I just turned off the phone and stared into the darkness <laughs> thinking, what is this fucking team going to do yeah. to get right? <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do, Tim? What are they going to do? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating question because I don't think there's one right answer. Like, Kevin Pelton and I did this thing in the off season. We called it the all in tiers. And it was sort of trying to look at every team in the league and project what they were trying to accomplish. Like the Celtics are all in on a championship now and in the future. Right. And like teams all in on a tank, right? Some teams are all in for Victor Wembanyama, and some teams like, you know, Philly and Milwaukee, some of these other teams are like all in to win today. And they're like the Lakers, like they've sold all their picks out in the future. And Toronto was one of three teams that was all in on nothing from the standpoint that the Raptors could go in any direction. They could decide to rebuild and trade all their guys. They could decide to like push more chips in and go get some star player. They could kind of just keep going forward and see where it goes. And six months later, it's still the same situation, right? Like we're coming up on the start of 2023 and they're tied for 10th in the West or East as of now. And they're three games out of six and they're three games out of being fifth worst in the league. Yeah, it's wild. So like they could really decide to go any direction. And I don't know if they know what direction they're going to go between now and the trade deadline. Because like it's they really do have the ability to go in a myriad number of ways. And it's just whatever they ultimately decide to do. Do you listen to any basketball podcasts or are you like, I hate that? Um, no, I listen to a bunch. Who do you, who do you like? Let's do a, a, a rapid fire here. Let's ask you some Nate questions. Duncan and Dan LaRue's pod is good. Yeah. Zach's pod is really good. Yeah. Um, any, oh, anybody else that you like? Um, I'm trying to think. So Seth does a pod with Dave DeFore and, uh, Mo Dakhill, uh, uh, the nerder pod for the athletic. That's mm. good. Um, 
I bounce around to a bunch of stuff. Who's your favorite uh, sports writer of all time? Oh, good question. It is a good question. Or a couple. Who come to mind? I mean, the two guys for me are, are Adrian and Mike Vaccaro mm. uh, for selfish reasons. I mean, they were the guys that are my mentors in the business. Um, you know, Adrian, the, the, those guys both went to Bonaventure. Adrian, obviously I work with now. Mike, I started my career work with at the New York Post. Those guys have helped me out since I was a freshman in college. So I've always looked up to them. I, it's fascinating because, you, you know, you grew up on a farm. What does your family think of your job? Uh, it's funny. They, I mean, they think it's really cool. Uh, they're very proud. I think at times they're also sort of baffled by it. By, yeah. Cause it's like, I'm not, uh, like I, the weird thing about like, I love my job. It's great. But you also basically work nights and weekends and holidays. Mm-hmm. So like my in-laws have this huge 4th of July thing every year. And it's hard for me to get to it because it's in the middle of free agency. Yeah. And, you know, like I've worked Christmas like 13 years in a row. Mm. So I either won't be home or I'll be home for like this year. I covered the Knicks Sixers game and then was home from like five to midnight with my parents. So we opened gifts at like 1145 after my relatives <laughs> left. So like stuff like that is a little atypical. But no, I mean, it. They, you know, they'll hit me and be like, hey, I saw you on TV at you know, the salon I was at or at this bar and like, it's very cool. They're all very proud. That's awesome. Love to hear it. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. No, man, this is great. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We will write your uh, biography one day. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Max. We're, we're, hey, that's fine with me. The Bontemps bon story. The bon I don't story. have to write it. That's great. So. <laughs> well, we're going to go to the game. I, I've never seen John in person because he kind of, you know, ja in is, pandemic. Ja so. is unbelievable. He is maybe my favorite player to watch in the league, just in terms of like sheer electricity. Yeah. Like he, and it's, and, and Memphis is fun too. Like they, they're young enough not to know better from the standpoint that they love to talk and like they talk on the court and they talk in the lot in the media and like they they just don't care and yeah, it's, it's very great. fun and they play with a fun style so yeah like i i try to tell people if you can see a team play like they're a they're a fun team to see play yeah, very, excited. very excited all right, well, all right thanks, thanks so much Tim. for joining us oh, anytime guys thanks for having me cheers on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns